Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. You know, I'm kind of feeling a little disappointed today, not because I'm doing the show, not because anything terrible happened in my life, but because I had great expectations for last night and they just fell apart. I thought I was going to sit down and watch the season finale of Ted Lasso, a show that I am hopelessly addicted to. And when I sat down to play that last episode, it turns out that it's not playing for a couple of days. And I guess I got ahead of myself, right? I thought that this was the week that I was going to be able to see it. In fact, I thought it was the end of last week that I was supposed to see it. But, you know, all of that aside, I had cooked up some really nice popcorn and I had poured myself a nice glass of wine. And there I sat without my program to watch. And I'm not a big TV fan, actually, but there are three shows that I love to watch. And it occurred to me while I was sitting there eating popcorn sans TV that there is a really interesting connection between the three shows that I love and wine, or at least how we perceive wine, how we drink wine, how we enjoy wine. And I think, you know, a lot of people will probably think I'm nuts when I share this perspective. So I got a call earlier today from my dear friend, Brian, and I like to think of him as a protege in a certain sort of way, because when we first met, Brian was drinking some not so sophisticated wines, and he's slowly climbing up the ladder of sophistication and starting to really understand wine. He's becoming a wine aficionado. At least he's in the early stages of that. And I said, Brian, you need to come and be a part of this show because I'm going to talk about our favorite show, Ted Lasso, and a couple of other shows. And Brian, I got you addicted. Oh, very addicted. The personality that is Ted Lasso is just amazing. Nothing gets him down. Can you think of now, I mean, seriously, this is probably a reach for you, right? But do you see any connections between Ted Lasso and wine? Or are you going to just let me lay this out here? Well, the connection, I think, would be that some people enjoy life for life. And some people expect and break down all of life to make them 
not enjoy it anymore. All right. Yeah, I think that's kind of close. So so let me throw my theory out. That's not bad. And maybe what I'm going to say <laughs> is uh, something that will, you know, tip in with what you're saying. But here's the thing about Ted Lasso. It's a story about a guy who has earned reasonable success and accolades coaching a not very important football team, college football team in the U.S. And he is recruited to come and coach a soccer team. We call it soccer. They call it football team in the UK. And the fans are livid because he knows nothing about football, European football. And the players are livid. They want nothing to do with this American Midwestern yahoo. And all the same, Ted Lasso is so infectious. He's so kind. He's so positive that no matter how much people want to hate this guy, they have a hard time doing it, right? Totally. By mid-episode first season, they're still calling him names, but suddenly those are terms of endearment. I can't even say the names they're calling him because we're not allowed to do that on radio. You can do it on cable TV, but I can't do it here. But yes, they are calling him names, but they're slowly but surely sort of becoming, well, they're, they're warming up. To who he is. They can't help but love him. No, you can't help but love him. But here's the interesting thing is that I equate those fans and I equate those players to people who really understand wine, who are obsessed with wine, and who actually look down on people who don't fully understand wine and who are not into wine as much as they are. And the question becomes, are those people having more fun or are the Ted Lassos of the world who are just doing it for the pure pleasure of it? He doesn't understand football, but as he becomes more and more involved in it and gets to coach more games, you know, he becomes more enthusiastic about it. And you know what? Rules be damned. It's like it doesn't really matter that much to him. It's all about the emotional aspect of the game and not so much about the technical aspects. And, you know, I came across a study, and I'm going to talk about it in just a second. And I think it's a really important study that looks at how people who have a certain amount of education about wine enjoy wine and perceive wine and describe wine versus people who have none of that same education. And it's so interesting because we enjoy it differently. So the people who have the education are using the analytical portion of their brain, whereas the people who know nothing about it are using the emotional portion of their brain. I just love this wine. I just love this wine. Yeah. That's you, by the way. Oh, man. There are wines that just take me. And so there are people like you, and, I, and I've had to break you of this, because there's something in between. And the thing is, if you just love a wine, I think it's important for you to at least understand the wine to the point that you know what it is that you love about the wine. That's so important. So... It might be that the wine has a certain sweetness to it, or it has a lot of acidity or a little bit of acidity. It has a lot of alcohol or a little bit of alcohol. 
You can taste the wood from the barrel in it. You can't taste the wood from the barrel. You know, there are all of these different things. It's red or it's white. I mean, that's the most basic of them all. So those are things that you want to understand. But beyond that, you know, maybe the rest of it doesn't matter so much. Maybe it doesn't matter what kind of soil the grapes grew in or the kind of climate that the grapes were raised in because it's different, you know, depending upon where you taste the wine from. A Cabernet from Napa will be different from a Cabernet from Bordeaux, will be different from a Cabernet from Australia and so on, right? It just makes it yummy. Do you care, Brian? Mm, not so You much. better say you care, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, all right. Okay. I don't even know why I invited you here. Anyway, no, I did invite my friend Brian in here because he does look at wine from a very different perspective. But I knew right off the bat that if I introduced him to Ted Lasso, that he would become addicted. And you immediately subscribed, right? To I did. Yeah. I, I'm guilty. Yeah, yeah to totally guilty. And by the way, the first episode of Ted Lasso that you watched, you watched with me with a glass of wine in your hand. Of course. And, you know, there's very little wine in Ted Lasso, by the way. But there's something else about Ted Lasso and wine I want to share with you in just a second. And then we're going to talk about two other shows, Queen's Gambit and also Atypical, because they also offer us lessons in wine. So it's, you know, kind of interesting how the things that we love really relate to the things that we love. And we'll talk about that more on Grape Encounters right after this. Walk into Total Wine and More and you may just pinch yourself. With over 13,500 hand-picked wines, spirits, and beer, there's something delicious to discover around every corner. And their friendly guides are right by your side, eager to help you pick up the slack in your wine rack or recommend a bottle or two to match your menu. A crisp Pinot Grigio pairs with shrimp scampi or even potato salad. Bold cabs with balanced tannins bring out the best in Korean short ribs and a bacon cheeseburger. Sip a sparkling rosé when you're serving salmon any which way. When it comes to what's in store, you'll find all your faves, always at the best prices in town. So what'll it be today? Choose curbside pickup, in-store pickup, shipping or delivery. Explore more in-store or at TotalWine.com. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wine's O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. 
rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour. You know, I spend a ridiculous amount of time reading all kinds of stuff about wine, and sometimes I come upon some studies that I think are pretty interesting. And there was a study that was quoted in Forbes magazine back in February of 2019, and I don't recall reading anything about it back then. But anyway, it was a study that was quoting actually the Journal of Wine Economics also back in 2019. And they did this study. They called it, Does Blind Tasting Work? And they used two groups of people in this study. One group was a group of people that had been given intensive education about wine over several weeks, you know, teaching them everything about acids and alcohol and sugars and all of the things that make different wines taste different. And then there was another group that was included in the study, and they knew nothing about the finer details of wine. It was just, do you like it or do you not like it? And what was so interesting about this is that they discovered that the people who had been educated in wine, even though they're not certified wine experts or sommeliers per se, but when they tasted wine, they would use a very analytical approach and they used a completely different part of their brain, the analytical part of their brain, versus this other group that used this very emotional part of their brain, very primitive part of the brain. And it was all about, you know, how does the wine make me feel as opposed to what am I tasting which is why, you know, a lot of times people will come into a wine shop and they'll they'll have no idea why they like the wines that they like. And they might not even know what wines they like, by the way. And that's a, a totally different subject. But I'm talking today about three TV series that I think tells us a lot about how we enjoy wine. And it kind of divides us into a couple of different groups. And I invited a friend in here because he's immersing himself in wine these days, quite literally. His name is Brian Nutt. Sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. And Brian, you're also immersing yourself in Ted Lasso as well. Of course. How yeah. far how far are you into the show? I'm just about end of first season. And doesn't it doesn't it make you feel happy when you watch the show? Every episode. I feel 30% happier when I watch Ted Lasso. But uh, you know, the thing that I found so interesting about Ted Lasso is I had to step back and I had to think about it. I know nothing about European football. And that's kind of interesting when you consider the fact that one of my best friends is a pro 
football player. Well, he's an ex-pro football player, and he was recruited to come play football in the U.S. And he also plays on this pro-am team with Rod Stewart, although I don't think he plays with that group anymore because he moved away. And I got to sit and enjoy beers with him and Rod Stewart, who is, by the way, a pretty nice guy and a pretty good football player, right? But I never really grasped the game that much from going to his matches. But suddenly I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I love this sport by watching it on Ted Lasso. But actually, you know what? I never learned anything about football <laughs> from watching Ted Lasso at all. You know, yeah. and that's what's interesting about the parallel between that and wine is that people who really enjoy wine sometimes, they don't know anything about it. And they enjoy it sometimes as much or maybe more than people who do. So I think we fall into two different camps. What say you, Brian? I find it extremely accurate. I personally have had a history in um, music and trained classical vocal for five years. And I don't quite enjoy music as well as some people do. Are you saying because you immersed yourself in the details that it now loses something on you? It does. And listening to other people sing and and not pay attention to those same details sort of ruins it for me in the same way that you know, maybe some people that enjoy the intricacies of wine are turned off by maybe some people that don't know that, but just enjoy the wine for what it is. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not saying either of these are right, by the way. And I, I think I need to jump into two different shows really quickly here. The other show that I mentioned is Queen's Gambit. Now, this is interesting because our main character, Beth, from the time that she's a little girl in an orphanage and she learns to play chess from a, a janitor at the orphanage to adulthood, she can just literally see the chess moves taking place as she's laying in bed. She looks up to the ceiling and she sees all of these pieces moving and she just connects with the intricacies in a way that I could never connect with them, which is why I've never played chess since I was a kid. I learned it when I was a kid. And then I decided not, this is not for me because it's too technical for me. And so what's interesting about this is that this was the most popular show of, I guess, a year ago. And it was popular among people who had no idea about chess. No idea. But yet, not only did they love the show, but a lot of them decided they were going to learn about chess. And chess.com increased its membership by like 200%. Crazy. And so it's so interesting that people could enjoy something so intricate and absolutely not comprehend what it was that they were watching. Did you watch Queen's Gambit, by the way? I didn't. Oh gosh! <laughs> it is a new and wonderful adventure. You that gotta, I'm you gotta going go, to you gotta, you gotta on. go watch it because it, you know, I think, I think the point of it is most of the world watched this show, loved this show, and had no idea what they were watching. And how that relates to wine is very, very obvious. That you can love wine and not understand it, but you can also become really obsessed with wine like the character Beth and and love it too. Last one I got to mention really quickly is Atypical. I got to get through this really super quick. And this is about an average American family that's different in one way. They have an autistic son and they have a daughter that's a little bit younger than him. And what's cool about this character, Sam, is that he is painfully honest about everything. 
And so when he doesn't like something, he has no filter. And he just says, you know, he, he says it the way we'd all like to say it, but we're afraid to say it. And I think that's one of the most important things about wine that is just lost on so many people is if you don't like it, for Pete's sake, just say so. Say you don't like it. Say you don't like it. And I just hate sitting and watching people pretend that they like something that they don't. When in reality, look, if you just like a sweet bottle of wine, you can just say so. In this day and age, nobody's going to care. Absolutely nobody is going to condemn you for liking or not liking something. That's just the way it is. Which is why I always say that I'm not a big Pinot fan. And it's not that I'm not a big Pinot fan. It's just that I'm just trying to teach people a lesson, which is it's okay to say no. It's okay to say I prefer something that people think is just sort of pedestrian where wine is concerned. Anyway, we're going to have to take a break now. Brian, thanks for joining me. Was that fun? Yeah, it's, it's always a and pleasure to speak with and you. And you're now expecting a glass of wine on the break. Oh, most definitely. All right, we're going to do that. And we're going to be back with my new social media director to talk about just our presence on social media, why it's so important, and how much you can learn on social media about wine when we return with Grape Encounters. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMorganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil, and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMorganics.com. Eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour. Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know that in Old England, the word grape actually means berry? However, back in the day, grapes didn't want to be lumped in with raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, and so on. So they refrained from going by the name Grapeberry. That's what we love about grapes, always thinking. And we're thinking it would be a very good idea to turn Dave's mic back on. David? 
now I get to introduce you to somebody who came on board with us recently. And oh my goodness, is she making a difference in my life and in your life too. You know, ever since we started Grape Encounters 14 years ago, it's a constant struggle to stay on top of social media. And I got to tell you, when social media became the thing, I hated it so much. I hated the entire concept. I would say to people, don't even talk to me about social media. But you know what? I just have to roll over and play dead here because the reality is we live and die by it. And especially a a show like mine, it's so critically important. If you follow us on social media, then you see our posts. But I've always felt that we could do a much better job. And so I have put on board, I'm going to call her a big gun. She doesn't really like that term because she's on the humble side. But anyway, I am so glad to introduce you to Erica Posha. And Erica, welcome on board the show. You probably never thought I was going to do this to you, but I'm doing it to you all the same. You are. Yes, this was a bit of a surprise. Well, you know, I had to beg and plead and tell you that you weren't going to get paid unless you did did this. But first of all, it is so exciting. And I'm going to commend you because on all of the popular platforms, we're like everywhere. And I don't think that you sleep at night because the presence that you have given us compared to where we were before, which I thought was good, is just incredible. And I thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. But I also (laughs) want to say this. I've worked with social media people in the past, and they may be good at social media, but they don't know anything about wine. And that becomes a real problem. You know, you need to understand this world and social media in a big way to be able to make an impact. So let's just start with the idea that you are no stranger to wine. You've worked for wineries. And then you also have some great certifications. Can you lay those out for us? Sure. Yes. So I actually worked two harvests in Sonoma County. I've also worked in tasting rooms. I'm also a level one and two WSET certified as well as American wine expert. Yeah. And that takes some doing. And, and by the way, we just did on last week's show, an entire show about a certification program that I think is just wonderful. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But really, I think if you're going to get into the wine business in any way, shape or form, and you want to do something that is more more than just working in a tasting room, then you should think about how you can grow your own education. Why did you decide to do that, by the way? Well, for what you just said, I wanted to expand my wine knowledge. And for a long time, I feel like the only path that was really viable for people was to become a song, become a winemaker. It was very narrow. And so now I think that wine education is expanding and there's so many more things available. And that's why, for example, I took the American Wine Expert course because I love wine from everywhere. But having worked in Sonoma County and having family in the wine industry as well, being an American wine expert was something that really mattered to me. Tell me about the family in the wine industry. Oh, so I have an uncle and cousin here on the East Coast, and they own a liquor and wine store. So I have been around this for quite some time. Okay. And then you went out to Sonoma County for a while. What took you there? Well, initially, I was a teacher, David. (laughs) So my teaching took me there. Yes. But then I decided to pursue wine full time, which was a good decision. (laughs) Do you know, I don't think that there's any industry that takes people off their beaten path more than the wine industry. You know, you always hear stories about somebody that wanted to become a dentist and they went all the way through dental school and then they ended up making wine instead. It's a very seductive industry, is it not? Absolutely. There's so many interesting pieces. You have science, you have art, you have technology. There's just so many pieces to it. Yeah. You know, I want to get back to social media for a second. Mm -hmm. And 
the sure. reason that I'm talking about it today is because, first of all, if you are a longtime listener to Grape Encounters Radio, let's say you've been listening to us for nearly 14 years, if all you're doing is listening to the program or downloading the podcast, listening on your local radio station, you're missing a lot because there's only so much that we can talk about in a week, in a day. So we're really trying to expand the resources and the opportunities for you so that the show just becomes the tip of the iceberg. Speak to me about what anybody in the wine industry should be doing, could be doing that they're typically not doing. You know, I know that we've missed the boat a lot at times. Where do we really need to be? And I'm not just talking about Grape Encounters, but you know, this is for anybody that's in the industry. That's a really good question. And I think the best answer I can give you on that is social media is a great place to grow your community. It's obviously a great place for brand exposure, uh, raising that kind of brand awareness. But growing a community, especially for something as niche as wine, we are going to have some really great content coming to your listeners, hopefully followers, and they will be able to see the behind the scenes. They'll be able to hear wine news that they might have otherwise missed. And it's, again, that first touch point you know, for a listener before exploring your website in depth. So it's really important to be active in the social media communities that matter to you. Well, I think that the major goal that we have, and I think we're getting there in a big way, is that you should be able to go to our social media, you should be able to go to our website and find connections to enough resources that you don't really honestly even have to look anyplace else. And and by the way, we don't want you dancing with anybody else. <laughs> you know, we want you all for ourselves. No, that's not true. You know what? There's so much good stuff out there. And you know, that's part of what we do is to turn you on to other people, other podcasters, other writers, wineries that are doing a great job that you might not stumble onto in your searches. So we want to be exactly, you know, we got to be a conduit for those things. And I'm really excited just when I look at what we've done in the last week and the connections that we're making for our listeners. It's super exciting. By the way, Erica, I appreciate you very much because you are blowing me away. Thank you. No, you really are. You 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 exceed my expectations at every turn, and I really do appreciate it. What are some of the things that people who connect with us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram can expect at this point and maybe even find right now? So as I mentioned, things that they can find, we always like to release new episodes, letting people know, hey, there's something available. You should go stop by the website and check it out. Right. I'm also running a number of polls. We like to be interactive with our listeners. A number of listeners have actually turned into guests on Grape Encounters, which I think is such a cool thing. And so we love to get feedback from listeners. So I like to post some polls and quizzes to see what our listeners are doing or what they're interested in. So that's just a small part of it, but there will definitely be more to come. So there are a couple of polls out there right now, just if you could quickly elaborate on the questions being asked there. Sure. So I've asked things like a simple, it's fall. What are we drinking now? Things about climate change, really generic kind of questions that allow just about anybody to feel comfortable participating. I think this is so exciting because I don't want to just report the news. I, of course. I want to make the news too. And when I say that, I think something that we can do better than almost anybody else, which is to tap into the opinions of our listeners and have them share their thoughts so that we can come back and say, hey, here's you know a trend that maybe you didn't realize was uh, taking place. And here's what people are drinking that you probably didn't think about drinking yourself. I think it's an exciting extension of what we're doing to not just be news reporters, but to be newsmakers at the same time. 
same time. Do I have that about right? I would agree. Well said. All right. So we're going to take a break for a second. And when we come back, I am going to talk about my number one pet peeve where wine and social media intersect. I was uh, just going through Facebook like I normally do. And I just found my skin crawling because of this thing that people do who love wine and who participate on social media. And you're not going far enough and we need you to change those habits. And so we're going to talk about that next when we return with Grape Encounters Radio and our social media director, Erica Posha. We're going to return in just a second with more Grape Encounters. If you're a winemaker or a grape grower, you need to hear this. Pure Fresh Wine's patented O3 technology provides unique benefits to your wine by treating grapes pre-crush. It removes sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides, reduces bad bacteria and mold, helps limit and avoid stuck fermentations, improves taste, color, ripening, and stability, and pre-cools grapes for an improved fermentation process. The O3 naturally turns into oxygen when the process is finished, without any chemicals or residue. Leading winemakers aren't shy about confirming the benefits of using Pure Fresh Wine's process to significantly improve wine quality and approachability. Ready to have your best harvest yet? Visit purefreshwine.com today, or we'll get you connected when you contact us via the grapeencounters.com website. These days, it is critically important for you to like us on our Facebook group page or any other social media you connect with us on. Those likes help keep us going strong. Also, if you're listening to us on a podcast, please consider writing a review or giving us a thumbs up or five stars. It's what enables us to take you on trips around the world and share things about wine that are often overlooked. Thanks for being a part of the family. I got amazing news for the winemakers and grape growers across America who listen to Grape Encounters. Pure Fresh Wine's patented O3 technology provides unique benefits to your wine by treating grapes pre-crush. It removes sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides, reduces bad bacteria and mold, helps limit and avoid stuck fermentations, increases the content of health-promoting still beans, improves taste, color, ripening, and stability, and pre-cools grapes for an improved fermentation process. The O3 naturally turns into oxygen when the process is finished, so Pure Fresh Wine System does all this without any chemicals or residue. Pinot Noir had better expressed phenolic profiles, and wines with drier, more angular tannins attained softer and more fruit-forward characteristics, improving the wine's approachability. Ready to have your best harvest yet? Visit purefreshwine.com today. Wine has been around for 8,000 years, but if you happen to have any bottles that old in your cellar, you might want to drink them sooner than, than later. Actually, if you've got 8,000-year-old bottles in your cellar, they're fakes. Bottles didn't show up until the 17th century, so you might want to just put those pseudo-relics on eBay. With a proper disclosure, of course. Anyway, let's continue with a show that never tries to fake you out. Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. 
So I have to tell you that I have a love-hate relationship with social media. On one hand, like you guys, I will open up Instagram or a Facebook page and I will get lost in it. And that's why I don't get a lot of my work done because it takes you in so many different directions. But on the other hand, there's a lot of content on there that drives me crazy because I think to myself, the people who are posting this are not going the distance. They're not providing enough information, enough insight to make those posts valuable. And I'll tell you more about what I mean in just a second. But I want to reintroduce our social media director, Erica Posha. Hello. There you are, Erica. I want to tell you what just drives me nuts. Do you want to hear? Of course. Okay. So I've got literally thousands and thousands of people who I'm connected to on social media, but it just seems like so many people do the same irritating thing. And what it is, is they're out at a restaurant or they're having dinner at home. They take a picture of a bottle of wine and then they go on to list some of the tasting notes that they're perceiving in the wine. That's fine. That's great. And then they move on. And I feel lost at that point because a lot of times I don't know about this wine. I don't know whether it came out of their cellar, if they have one, or out of you know some sort of storage unit. If it's a wine that's available, not available, only regionally available, expensive, not expensive. Now, I understand, Erica, that there are certain things that you're really not supposed to say. You can get in trouble for it. And I'd like you to talk about that in just a second. But do you get the same feeling of aggravation that I do about this? Or are you just a more forgiving person? Well, I can definitely understand the love-hate relationship with social media. But I will say I have found some really unique brands and restaurants through social media. You know, it is its own news source. So I really do appreciate what it can do when done correctly. And so I can definitely see what you're saying when it comes to folks sharing their wine information, because yeah, I do want a little bit more than I just went to my cellar and opened this bottle. Tell me where it's from. Tell me why you chose that bottle. You know, there's so many more reasons to talk about wine than just posting a picture of it. Well, yeah. And the wine geek will pull a bottle out that may be a rare bottle. It may be a boutique wine that, you know, even some of the most educated wine enthusiasts don't even know about it. And, you know, stop making assumptions. I mean, I think that you can say this rare bottle of XYZ wine uh, I got back in 1994. You'd probably have a hard time finding one. But if you're able to, it's probably going to set you back a pretty penny, but it's going to be worth it. And everything that I just said there, I think passes muster where legal requirements are concerned. Am I right? Yes, I agree. And I think what you did was you're talking about telling a story, right? People don't just want to see a picture. They want something meaningful. So telling the story behind the wine, right? I bought this in 1994 or just kind of giving some kind of education. This comes from a new developing wine region. All of that is a great hook to get people to continue reading and to just you know expose a, a brand or a wine. So what can people not say? Well, if you're associated with a winery, if you have certain connections, there are Tidehouse laws. And without going into too much of that, sometimes there are things where you cannot post the locations where wine is sold. You cannot post the prices of wine, but you surely can say a wine is affordable or this wine is expensive. That is really the gist of it. I, I won't go too far into that. <laughs> 
You know, I should point out that I think last I saw, there's something like 20,000 wine varietals. I mean, that actually wow. that actually exist on the planet. That's a lot of varietals that go beyond Cabernet and Merlot and Chardonnay and so on. You know, we tend to talk about nine varietals, but there's more than that, okay? <laughs> That's number one. Number two, if you then look at unique bottles of wine, I'm saying this is a 89 Chardonnay from so-and-so, and and this is a 2012 Merlot from other so-and-so. We're talking about literally, I would think, potentially millions of different choices that we have in wine. That's why I think it's so incredibly important to not make assumptions. You know, I know that the wine geeks, they'll they'll post a bottle of wine that's a very talked-about wine that most of us can't afford, and they're gloating inside, and I get that. And, you know, good for you, and why didn't you invite me over? But it's the wines that are less notable, you know, please don't make assumptions that all of us know about that wine, because I'm going to tell you that 99% of the people who are looking at your post, unless the only people you communicate with are wine geeks, they don't necessarily know. And so that's really true because most of the people I'm friends with turn to me for wine information. So I try and make sure that when I post that information, it's as relevant and accessible as possible. So that when I talk to them about you know, this cool new variety that I found out in Portugal when I was wine tasting there, or how there's a really cool winery out in Puget Sound, Washington, that does some really neat German varieties. Kind of going into, you know, in depth on those is really important. And it's such a service to your friends on Facebook or your connections on LinkedIn. You probably want to say where it came from, the winery that it came from, if it's a wine that's still available, if it's, you know, uh, modestly priced, it's expensive, it's hard to get. It's not, you know, there's so much that can be, it was made by a lady winemaker versus a guy. You know, these are all things that get people interested and you don't have to write a novel about it, but just adding some relevant information that would be helpful to people would make make the value of wine information on social media so much greater, so much greater. So Erica, I agree. Erica, we are on a mission now. You know, we've got to take this mission on. We've got to change things. Are you with me? I'm with you. So one of the things that we can do is when somebody posts something about information about a wine that they're really excited about and they do a good job and they do the things that we just talked about, give them an attaboy, you know, tell them thanks for that because other people are going to read your comment and that's going to be helpful. Erica Pocha, she is our social media director and she's why the amount of content that you're getting with the Grape Encounters name on it is so much greater than it's ever been before. Please go on to your favorite social media platform, like us, friend us, connect with us. Mm -hmm. You just have to put Grape Encounters in the search. You're going to find us. It really helps us earn the kind of income that's necessary just to keep a show like this on the air from coast to coast. Erica, thanks for being on. Well, thanks, David. And thanks for being on Point, too. I really appreciate it. We're going to be back here next week with another Grape Encounter. In the meantime, your homework is to go find us and friend us. That's all we ask. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine & More. It's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter.